Welcome to Be With Your Body. My name is Sarah Jane Chapman. This is a podcast about folks connecting with their bodies just as they are, not needing to be any other way. Today we chat with Meg Smith. We talk about Buddhism. We talk about finding curiosity and joy in our bodies. Um, They also talk about their experience of being a gender nonconforming person. Just a heads up, we do talk about some some diet things and some unkindness to our bodies, so just heads up for that. And I do, uh, you'll hear some beeping at the beginning of the episode, and that's because Meg is sharing their mom's weight, and I just beeped it out because we don't need to hear weight. It doesn't really matter. So all that to say, I hope that you enjoy Meg Smith. I don't want to hate myself, my body, or my mind. I still have a lot to unlearn in the meantime I'll be kind It's not just me, it's systems of oppression make us small This healing's not just for you and me Cause really, it's for us all Hello! How are you? I am well today. It is really Yay. beautiful outside, so happy oh, about that. It really is. It really yeah. is. Um, I would love if you could introduce yourself and share a few things you identify with and as, and if you'd like to share your pronouns, we'd love that too. Cool. Yeah. So Meg, um, I use she or they pronouns interchangeably. Um, I am a queer artist and UX designer. So I do a lot of movement arts and um, writing and I do design professionally for big tech (laughs) yeah you get to do the fun private stuff and then you also get to make money off of it which is exactly exactly (laughs) yes I love that I love that so um tell me a little bit about your experience with your body growing up yeah um really complicated as I'm sure it is for a lot of people uh I say I would say like the biggest things that stand out was that my my mom was always dieting and I throughout my life saw my mom go from like beep pounds to like beep pounds mm. lots of yo-yoing and lots mm-hmm. of like her comparing her body to my body mm. um mm-hmm. and so it was I always, and, and I, I definitely was on the like overweight BMI pretty early because I'm so short and, um, just I, thicker, I guess. Bodies, yeah. Bodies <laughs> um, are yeah, just that's my body. different shapes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like, there was a lot of dieting messaging. There was a lot of like, you know, I got linked up with a dietitian when I was like 13 and mm. just a lot of shame around food and Mm. it was really confusing it was it was mostly just confusing I felt like I was ashamed of my body really quickly yeah yeah Yeah. for sure for sure um sorry I had that experience I mean obviously it's um it's why we're here (laughs) talking about (laughs) these things and it still sucks you know um so when was because now you know we we know we've we've chatted about some of these things but what was um what was a point for you that you were like okay so I'm unhappy but like how I want to change something what was that like shift for you yeah it was a lot of evolution I think the last Mm -hmm. big diet that I was on um was 
2018, 2019. And, um, I did lose a significant amount of weight and I have a friend who is very like anti-diet and intuitive Mm -hmm. eating. And I had tried stuff like that before, but it was really through the lens of like, will this help me lose weight? Um, sure. And it like caused a lot of rupture in our friendship that I was actively dieting. Mm. Um, I was frustrated with her messaging. She was frustrated with my behavior. It was really difficult. Totally. Um, And then the pandemic happened. And of course, like all of my coping mechanisms and, and also just my body like needed, it was in starvation mode and it was like, I want that weight back. And so of course, then I like gained all that weight back and then some, and it was like, okay, this is just, this is unsustainable. And I don't want to keep like, if the cultural messaging for my entire life is that something is wrong with my body, like I'm never going to be able to externally please that or like subside that. Like it has to be a relationship internally. And also my practice with um, Buddhism, Mm -hmm. you know, learning, getting sober and learning like, Oh, it's never the thing. It's always my relationship to the thing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, totally. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I just realized I had a lot more agency um, than I think I previously thought that I did to find some peace. Yeah, that's beautiful. So what was your, if you don't mind chatting about your relationship with your sobriety and like, does that interact with like learning to be with your body as they are? Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I think if we're speaking about like embodiment in general, um, had a lot of trauma growing up. So being disembodied, escaping my body was like a Mm -hmm. very big part of how I learned to cope with that. And it was a very wise way to cope with that in the time. Obviously like now that's different and my body is a safer place to be, Mm -hmm. Um, but using substances and things like that was, um, just a really easy way for me to escape and, and not be able to be present with what's actually happening. I would say that in sobriety, not only does it feel safer to be in my body, it also feels like I can have more of a non-judgmental lens about mm-hmm. what I'm observing. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm like, Oh, I don't like that. That doesn't feel good. And there's a little more space between that doesn't feel good. And there's something wrong with me <laughs> in which <laughs> yeah. to like stop and be like, yeah. wait, okay, what's happening? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely think it's been a big part of it. Yeah. And you learned a lot of those skills through 12 step programs. Uh, no, I really, I, so I do recovery Dharma. Okay. Um, that's been yeah, yeah. like my main lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and recovery. I really like, yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. like those models just because it's more, again, it's more about my relationship to the thing and it's less about like, you know, the 12 step models I think can be very specific to the type of substance and put a lot of like hard and fast rules around a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that just didn't work. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. That's what I hear that a lot. Um, 
knowing a lot of folks in both the like 12 step recovery and then also folks in like more of the Buddhist recovery and yeah, some things work for some folks and some things work for other people. And it's just, yep. yeah, sometimes people need a little bit more space and some people really like the structure. So it's totally, yeah. yeah. And, and like for me, the, the addictive stuff was like not necessarily just substances, right? It was like, yeah. I'm finding it in my relationships with people and my relationships with food mm-hmm. and my relationships with like movement, like, it's, it's everything. Yeah. yeah. I find that the, the more Buddhist lens focuses more on the process addiction stuff, like yes. in that would include, yeah, food and relationships and media and, you know, all different things that we can't totally. like be like, well, I can't have this. Right. <laughs> like, cause alcohol is like, yeah, you don't need alcohol to live, but we all need food to live and we need relationships to be in the world and all these other things. And so the process addiction is more of a, um, nuanced. It's so much more nuanced. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what, um, and talking about embodiment, um, you, you're a she, they, you identify mm-hmm. as she, they, how, tell me a little bit more about that. How like the gender non-conforming or non-binary, what that experience is like for you in your body. Yeah, that's a really great question. It's still in process. Like I'm, sure. st- I'm still definitely, trying to figure that out. But I think that for me personally, what that has, I guess like the feeling tone of that is like, um, it's almost like a disidentification with my body while Mm. also being very inside of it. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I, I'm speaking in draft a little bit, but I'm thinking like, the way that people perceive my body and make judgments or assign values to it is less and less important to me, the more Mm -hmm. that I am in my body and like present with it. It it just feels like, um, like a vessel more than anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so in realizing that and realizing like, gender is also a part of that to me and that people perceive me as a woman. And I mean, like, I guess that's fine, but I just don't, I don't feel like I need to equate that perception with some meaning or some expectations of it. And, and when I think about being more gender nonconforming or non-binary is a phrase that I've been or concept that I've been chewing on a lot lately. It's just like my body like really isn't a part of that to me. Like my body really isn't a part of my gender expression. It's like mm-hmm. a way in which I can adorn or express certain types of gender that people might perceive a certain way, but like, it's sure. not, it's just really not a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting. Um, you know, this, and not to bring Buddha, I mean, I'm always happy to bring Buddhism back into it, but not to bring Buddhism back into it, but it's just so interesting because it, I'm hearing you say that it's almost like your experience of your body is more in this like neutral space. Yes. Okay. And so it's almost like, yeah, it's like the things that society puts onto, I'm using air quotes, woman or whatever you're like well what is that even you know yeah like ultimately trying to get free like I'm trying to get free Mm -hmm. around all of it (laughs) I'm trying to find peace around all of it and like for me 
the more I can let go of that, the more peace Mm. there is. And like, that's why, you know, when I'm thinking about gender and binary and things like that, there's just so much restriction around it. And I'm just, we all trying to get free, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's yeah. Just some, some ways are, you know, more effective than others, I guess, you know, not to say one's better, (laughs) but you know, Sometimes we try to get free with a glass of wine and sometimes we try to get free with the meditation. It's a different you know, experiences. Yeah. You do you. Like, Great. Yeah. It's sometimes all cool. Sometimes you need that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. But just, you know, different experiences. Okay. This is really, really interesting to me as, um, you know, so as someone raising a child that was born in a female body, I try to give mm-hmm. her like this experience of like, she had like her favorite toys right now are trains. Like she wears... Mm-hmm. Honestly, my experience for her is I'm like, I just want you to be comfortable. So she wears like a lot more boy clothes because, and again, I'm using air quote boy, who is to say what is what, but just like from what's sold to us, the girl clothes are like kind of restricting and like tighter and they have like weird, like (laughs) this is, this is kind of makes me upset. Um, So I'll go to Target or whatever. And the boy t-shirts are just like t-shirts. They're just like, you know, Mm -hmm. regular, like regular ass t-shirts just they fit have a looser fit their girl t-shirts like have this like um curve like that kind of pulls in at the waist a little bit and then like flares out and they have like a lower cut and I'm like these are children like no one's gone through this is a two-year-old no one has come through puberty yet no one like their bodies are across the board like honestly she gets misgendered all the time and I just like don't correct people because like who fucking cares you know, like we're at the pool. Yeah. She has a lot of hand-me-downs from her boy cousins that are like blue and whatever trucks. And then they're like, what's his name? I'm like, Ray. And they're like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Ray's also could yeah. be a boy. And could be a girl. Yeah. You know, it's just so funny to like seeing it from her lens. And if she corrects me one day and says, don't call me her, I'm like, cool. But if yeah. she, whatever, you know, and who's to say? Yeah. It's just interesting as a lot of awakening and the like cultural obviously like gender spectrum has been a thing forever and ever sure and it's just really cool to see the awakening on more of a cultural mainstream level that we can really have these conversations of like wait what is this why is it like this yeah it's funny I listened to this podcast about some some gender stuff and the blue and pink thing is so funny. It used to be the opposite. Like, I know. I, didn't know. <laughs> I mean, recently, like yeah. in the early 1900s, it was like blue was girls because it was seen as more feminine and pink was boys because it was like more like red or something. I don't really know what the theory is or do you maybe Re- you, know. you You were listening to American Hysteria. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was. <laughs> I listened to that American too, Hysteria. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So good. Yes. Shout out American hysteria. Yes. There's a whole one on gender. And then it changed. And then I feel like if I'm remembering this correctly, it shifted in the fifties, forties. Yeah. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Not that long ago. And so Mm -hmm. it's like these, these things that were like, Oh, girls look like this and boys look like that. It's like someone made that up. Right. Right. (laughs) You know? And I think that like all of that, like, it's just so much pressure Like if you, if you zoom out and think about all the implications of, you know, girl, boy, and I don't even, it's just so much pressure. It's so much pressure. And it, it adds on to like all of these things that are just putting us out of touch with 
what actually feels good or right or authentic or brings connection. Like it's just, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The pressure. That's, that's such a good point. It's like the, yeah, the expectation of, especially, I mean, I, obviously I'm always thinking about this through a children's lens, but this can be for anyone. Um, but especially for folks who are like, just kind of learning their way in the world, like they only know what they are exposed to. And so if they're like, oh, it looks like I'm supposed to be like this. Right. But what if I don't, what if that doesn't feel right to me? Well, I guess something's wrong with me instead of being like, well, there's no supposed to, it's just what is. Yep. But I think think about, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, I just think about like when I was growing up, um, when I got into like my teenage years, I started wearing a lot of boys clothes mm-hmm. because I didn't want people looking at my body in this like really sexualized way. Yes. But then dressing as a boy in a female perceived body also had a lot of yeah. implications about yes. like what I was trying to say or do with that. And it was like, yeah. literally, I just can't yeah, win. Like I can't I just like be away from all of these yeah just making identifications about what my intent or goal is with my body you know mm-hmm. yeah that's so funny I had a very similar experience I developed very early my body changed mm-hmm. at a very young age around 10 and I felt so unsafe in my body because yes. older boys would comment on it and I'm like, is this okay? You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I would, I would go to the thrift store and get like t-shirts and then people are like, Oh, you're just like a hippie or something. I'm like, I don't, I don't even, I'm just like scared to like be in my body right now. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's so scary. Yeah. Like yeah. I remember even I had a neighbor who was a female. It was one of my mom's friends. When I started developing breasts, she Oh, I opened the door one day and she was like out on my porch and she was like, Oh my God, you're developing boobs. And just like grabbed my boobs. And Whoa. I was like, that there was no level of like appropriateness or consent or like, it was. And I just think about it all the time. It was like, that was a really, really weird moment yeah. for me yeah. that taught me a lot about how other people, it just, you know, and then like older women in my life would often comment on like, oh, you have such a great body. Like boys are going to be, you know, mm. it's just like, that's so much pressure yeah. and like so much pressure in a direction that's just like super inappropriate for my yeah. age. And oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. This has come up in, in other episodes, but um, we never need to comment on anyone's body, period. I know. <laughs> like just- you never need to comment on it. There's no, there's, there's never anything unless you're like, your hair is on fire or (laughs) I don't know. You know, it's like, (laughs) are you okay? You know, (laughs) it's like, no one needs, you're bleeding. Like no one needs to comment on anyone's body. It just doesn't need to happen because you have no idea. Oh my goodness. Especially, especially, I mean, oh, I have so many, so many memories of that of people commenting on my body, telling me, and telling me first how small I was and then not commenting as my body got bigger. And then yep. that is also saying some, so it's like, if you don't, if there's nothing out the gate, then it's like, okay. But yep. by like saying like, this is a positive thing. And then we don't talk about negative things and we're not talking about your body because it's not good anymore. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. So how, what are you doing these days to find connection with your body? 
Mm. Yeah. So my, my like formal sitting practice, my meditation practice Mm -hmm. really helps just, um, getting back in there, like grounding, doing some body scans, things like that. Um, I think also, so when I stopped, I think it was in the fall of last year where I actively was like, I am no longer going to be dieting and I'm also no longer going to be um, exercising in the way that I was. Um, Mm -hmm. And I took a big long break and Mm -hmm. um, was just not really doing much. And now I'm trying to come back to different types of movement through a lens of like, do I actually like this and giving myself permission Mm. to like things or not like things. Um, Mm -hmm. And I came back to Iyengar yoga, which I haven't done in many years and have Mm -hmm. found that to be very embodying for me because it's Mm -hmm. like, you're taking so much time and getting like those little tiny micro adjustments, you know, and you're like, sure. Yeah. Wow. This like really helps me zone in. Um, But yeah, I think I also read. So sorry for the pause. (laughs) My brain went like seven directions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think because I was escaping my body at such a young age, because there was so much trauma and chaos happening around me that it's been a really important part of my practice to try to be embodied in like pleasure states. So mm-hmm. I read pleasure activism earlier this mm-hmm. year, and I've been trying to really focus and think about like when something is good, like, can I name that? And like have some sort of meditative moment around that and like yeah. know that it's good and why it's good and why I like mm. it or not even need a why just being like, I fucking like, I like this, the sound of that wind chime. Like it makes yeah. me really yeah. happy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've that's been, beautiful. Yeah. Just trying to give myself permission to experience and acknowledge when I experience things that are pleasant. That is so beautiful. I mean, that, oh, that is bringing up so much for me because I feel like it can feel like the world is so scary and so much, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's so much to do. There's so much to do and it can feel extremely overwhelming. And so it's almost like a radical act to be like, this feels good, you know, and just like enjoy something, you know? I mean, I think in our culture, we love punishment. We love it, (laughs) you know, and cutting down on the shame and the, um, yeah, the like, this is good. This is bad. Just being like, Oh, I just like this because I like it. Like, I don't even have to like it for a reason. Like you said, Mm -hmm. like, I don't have to like it because it's quote, like good for me. Right. I feel like that's the other thing is we have this like moral connection to, I mean, it shows up so much in food um, and in movement. Um, You know, it's like, Oh, I like this because it's, it gives me nutrients. Okay, cool. You know, I like this because, you know, it it's, it's the thing that someone has decided that is the right thing for whatever. And it's like that it's tuning back into our intuition is so radical. Yeah. 
We are taught that we need to listen to someone else's idea of what is okay and what is not okay. When the reality is we already know. Yep. Yeah. And, and I think it's the thing around like health and wellness, right. It's just like so sticky with that kind of stuff. Cause, cause I do, I was just talking to my friend Barb about this where I was like, I miss doing kettlebells because I love feeling strong and I love cardio. Like I, I love Mm -hmm. the feeling of like pulsing some like blood through my body. Right. Yes. But like yes. when I was actively dieting mm. and kettlebells were like the things that burned the most calories. So I'm sure. always like yeah. looking out. Cause I'm like, I'm like, um, do I really like this? Or am I like tricking myself? I just don't know. It's like so yeah. hard. Do I really like this smoothie or do I really like the way it makes me feel? Or am I like tricking myself into saying that I like it because I know it's going to yeah. be like better for me? For sure. <laughs> yeah. No, this is, so first we, we already chatted with Barb, Barb, oh, the perfect. non-diet trainer. Yeah. So yeah. we, so that's the Barb we're talking about. Um, yeah. I mean, she helped me with a little bit of that too, because uh, for me, it was running. Running was definitely uh, part of my, um, you know unkind relationship with movement. And, and I always love running in the spring. And so this past spring, I was like, I really want to go for Like, I feel, felt that energy. I was like, I want to go for a run. What is that like? I want to do it. But I was so scared of the, it's like, it's, I mean, again, kind of going back to the idea of addiction, process addiction, right? Uh, it's a little yep. tricky where it's like, I could feel that slippery slope. It was like, I was out for yes. a run or a walk with my dog. And I was like, maybe we'll just jog this part. And then I look and I was like, okay, go, go. You know, and then I noticed like the, yeah. the um, for lack of a better term, treadmill, you know, that would kind of start where I would be like, yes. okay, once you start, once you, here we go. And so I had to take a step back and I, I actually talked about that a little bit with Barb where I posted about it and then, and then she was like, well, you could maybe walk, run, whatever. For me, I found that cycling gives me the same thing that I was seeking that movement mm-hmm. without having me attached that I attached the, yeah. you know, unkind relationship with. So. Yeah. And I yeah, think that's why tricky. I started pole dancing too, because I was mm. like, this is something that I have no, yeah. My body has no experience making this about anything other than this is fun. Yeah. Right? Joyful movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. So you're pole dancing, you are meditating, you are finding joy in whatever you find joy in. Yeah. Try, yeah. Trying to just like take the data for what it's worth and not make it mean anything about me. Cause that's what it always, that like shame is like where it always lands mm. back to of like, mm. I'm bad or I'm good because I do or don't enjoy this thing. Or like, I need to have a valid reason for not enjoying mm. this thing. It's like, no, I freaking don't. Like, I really don't. And like my best friend's <laughs> so good about, sometimes I'll come to her and I'm like in this like deep existential struggle about the right thing to do. And she's like, or you could just make a choice. And then like tomorrow, if that choice no longer aligns, <laughs> like you could just change your mind. I'm like, Right. The world isn't on fire. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, yeah. So that's, I, th- I, I wonder if, cause I'm hearing this and I wonder if it's like kind of teasing out like perfectionism. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Cause yes. I mean that, and I think that is the, 
perfectionism is the mother of eating disorder, or maybe they're sisters. I don't know. They're related somehow. (laughs) Very closely related, you know, because it's like, it's this idea of like, I have to do it right. Mm -hmm. And there, and there's only one, only one right way. Yep. So, and that is just such, yeah. And that like, I think the, that perfectionism often goes hand in hand with like quantitative data, which I think is also a thing in eating disorders. Like I remember um, there was this moment when I was younger where my mom went out of town and there was this like bowl of Hershey's kisses. And she had already said something about me being conscious of how many I ate when she left, Mm. which was just like, why did you even have to do that? Now you've set me up to like have this terrible experience. And I ate, she was gone for like the whole weekend. I ate like 26 of them or so. Like still remember this freaking number. Yeah, Um, the number, yeah. But she came back and I remember having this moment where she was like, how many did you eat? And I was like, 26. And she was like, so upset with me, you know? Oh no. And like that, that like becoming so cognizant of like how much I'm doing, how I need to be like working out or exercising like five times a week. And like, that has to come before any of my social connections. Like that has to be that like structure and routine and commitment to Mm. quantities and numbers. Like, Mm. Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. disembodying too. Oh my goodness. Yes. So yes. I mean this, oh yes. I mean this, this takes it again. It takes us away from to start listening to ourselves. Yes. Um, it's so funny to being a parent and, um, practicing intuitive eating with my child where Mm. I just kind of let her, you know, I mean, we have meals and stuff, but if she asks for something, I give it to her and like, there's no good foods, there's no bad foods. Um, but it's funny. I notice for me, my, my anxiety around her is like, she'll go through periods of time where she'll eat a little bit less. Like she just maybe doesn't need it. And then she'll eat more and go through a growth spurt, whatever, you know, cycles change. And, um, something I learned as I was kind of like doing research around this is like, don't look at the day, look at the week. Right. So like, mm-hmm. what are they eating in a whole week? It's, you know, as long as they're, I mean, and, and they'll like, li- they'll listen to their body. Like if you let them, right. they'll listen to their bodies. And it's just so funny. I think about that from a dieting perspective where we use, <laughs> you know, like amounts of calories. It's like, Oh, you need X amount of calories in a day. And it's like, what do you think at midnight your body resets? Right. <laughs> you know? God, it's and like, sometimes I like yeah. look at calorie counts on bags and I'm like, that is freaking insane. Like how little we tell people. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy. I just think about like mm-hmm. how much I was like squirreling food mm-hmm. and like feeling so hungry and defeated if I went over like three or something, you know, I know, I know. And and again, like kind of zooming out, obviously we, as a culture can look at these things with children, but we don't look at these things with adults We zoom out. It's like, just like, it's not that it ends when we go through puberty. It's like our bodies have cycles and we'll have days where we'll need more food and we'll have days where we're not as hungry. And like, all of that is okay. If we just let our body do their own thing, they'll take care of us. Totally. Oh my goodness. Okay. So any last things you'd like to share about just your experience of connecting with your body and 
thing that things that were helpful for you? Yeah, I think like two things. I think finding community has been mm. such a big deal, such a big deal. Yes. I mean, yes, not even just like in recovery Dharma, you know, that's been huge having, you know, spiritual friends who are practicing the same things and having these ongoing dialogues, but just friends who understand and use the same language. Yeah. I find it really, really hard to connect with people, even if we're talking about like the problems with dieting or stuff like that, where if they just don't have that language, it's so, it's so hard. It's so hard. And it's very isolating. Cause you're like, I don't want to go through the labor of like teaching you what the idea and concept of body neutrality is and why it's so important because like right now I yeah. need support. Like, yeah. I can't, I can't do that labor. Right. Right. Um, I can't do the labor of yes. Of like yeah. getting, getting you up to speed on what's happening. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like for sure community and also just so much patience, so much mm. patience. Cause it just takes such a long, it's hard to unlearn. And it's also every day. I mean, yeah, I think this is a lifelong process if we're still living yes. in the societal rules that we're living in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, my theory is, is that folks that were raised like this, it'll always be a little bit a part of us. Yeah. And the goal for me, at least, is that whole, hopefully future generations, it'll get less and less and less. And so then they mm-hmm. never really even have to like go through all this. But yeah, I mean, this more. Just for this morning, um, deciding something is good or bad. I will go through phases where I'll be like, I'm going to give coffee a break and I'm just going to focus on tea and which is fine. But then like this morning I was like, I'm just going to have tea. And I was like, I really want coffee. And I'm like, I'm just going to have tea. And then I had like a sip of tea. I'm like, I'm just going to make some coffee. (laughs) You know, it's like the decide. And then I just noticed for myself where I was like, oh, I'm like making the tea a diet thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm making it like the quote healthier thing for whatever reason. I don't even know. So it's like, it it keeps showing up and then it just being like, okay, this is actually what I want. So I'm just going to let my body have that. And like, that's fine. You know, it's the morality thing. It's the morality. Yes. 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 (sighs) Well, Meg, thank you so much for all of your wonderful insight and, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm just so, I'm so grateful for you and for chatting. And I know that folks will, um, find some experience some strength and some hope through what you yeah. share. I'm like so happy to connect over it. It was great to chat. Yeah. Thanks so much. Here's one thing that you can do to be okay with being you. So here's where we talk about one thing you can do to be okay with being you. Before we do that, I first want to acknowledge at the end of the conversation I was having with Meg, I was talking about looking at someone's whole week of how they will eat food and know that some days you might want more food and some days you might want less food and like all of that is okay. So I do just want to acknowledge that there's a lot of class privilege in that, that is assuming that people have the uh, means to buy food that and in abundance where they can make those choices. So um, I just want to acknowledge that that was um, a little insensitive of me, so I apologize. So today, since Meg and I were chatting about 
Buddhism, I wanted to share with you my body metta practice. So metta means loving kindness. And traditionally in metta practice, this is a Buddhist meditation practice, we practice towards five beneficiaries. And each one of those, so the first one is someone that is really easy for you to love. The next one is someone who is neutral. The third one is someone who is difficult. The fourth one is yourself. And the fifth one is all beings everywhere without exception. And we take time to each of these beneficiaries, wish them some sort of kind affirmation, maybe at peace, maybe at ease. Those are pretty classical ones. You can also kind of fill in the blanks of different affirmations you might want to send to folks. So I like to shift this towards the body as folks are learning to reconnect with their body, just how they are. So obviously if you're driving, please don't do this. (laughs) Um, But wherever you are, or you can even just, you can just listen, even if you are driving or are not able to take a moment to sit and practice this, you can still get benefits just from hearing it. So if it feels comfortable, safe, and available to you right now, maybe close your eyes and have some part of your body touching something stable. So maybe the floor if you can, a chair, a bed, something that you feel supported with. And just take a couple deep breaths here, in through the nose, out through the nose, or out through the mouth. Maybe as you inhale through the nose, imagine that you are bringing your attention all the way up to the top of the head. And as you exhale, you're bringing all of your attention down through the soles of the feet. Inhale, attention goes all the way up. Exhale, attention goes all the way down to the bottom of your body. A couple more breaths like that. And then bring to mind a part of the body you find useful. First thing that comes to mind is perfect. can bring your attention or if available hand or hands on this part of your body take three deep breaths within each breath think thank you and I love you even if it doesn't feel real And then shift your attention to a part of your body that feels neutral. Place attention, or if available, hand or hands on this part of your body. Take three deep breaths. Within each breath, think, thank you, and I love you, even if it doesn't feel real. And then shift your attention to a part of your body that feels like it's caused you discomfort or pain physically and or emotionally. 
place attention and or hands or hand on this part of your body. Take three deep breaths. Within each breath, think, thank you, I love you, and I'm sorry, even if it doesn't feel true. And then with your attention and or your hands, you can start to expand your awareness through the rest of your body. So if you're using your attention, just notice from the point that your last attention was on, expanding from that spot. If you're using hands, maybe you can glide your hands down, up, all around the whole body. As you do this, maybe say in your mind, thank you, I love you. Thank you, I love you. Thank you, I love you. Even if it doesn't feel real. Every single part of your body is allowed to be here just as it is. Every single part of your body deserves love without exception. When you feel ready, you can open your eyes or move your eyes, your attention around your space, coming back into your space. So I practiced, this was a, a really pivotal tool for me that I used to connect with my body. Um, when I started meditating, I hated it. <laughs> um, I would practice uh, Vipassana or mindfulness meditation, and I was just really angry. So my husband, who's a meditation teacher, suggested I try metta. And so I would sit in a room by myself, and I would notice... Oh, I'm pulling my abdomen in. That's silly. I'm sitting in a room by myself with my eyes closed. <laughs> so I would... Relax my abdomen, relax my shoulders, right? And then I would practice this by placing my hands on these parts of the body or bringing my attention to this part of these parts of my body. And it doesn't mean that you have to be in love with your body, but it does help to reframe the mind and change the mind to appreciate. Because even if the part of your body, you don't have to love it or you don't have to like it. <laughs> it's like when you have an intimate relationship with someone and you love them, but you don't really like them all the time, right? They like hack up like when they brush their teeth or they snore, I don't know, whatever. They have their annoying qualities, but you still love them, right? That's how the relationship can shift to be with our bodies because they are living, breathing entities and they deserve all of that, at least respect. So practice this a couple times and notice how you feel.
Thank you so, so, so much for being here today. And I hope that you found some experience, some strength, and some hope. Talk soon. That's okay if your body's changed, and that's okay if your body's changed. That's okay if your body's changed, and why would you expect them to stay the same when in fact everything does?